And uh, tonight, I just want to share a word with you. Um, I shared in December, and I think Pastor John mentioned it on Sunday if you were here, but um, I shared a message on Give Them Jesus, and it was from a word that God had given me when I was in Florida. I took some time just to get away and, and hear from the Lord, and um, and it was it was not an unusual word that he gave me. It just it just seemed to be different. How many of you have ever read the Word of God and suddenly it's different than it was the last time you read it? And and I believe that's called revelation. That's when God takes a word and he gives his rhema life to it, not just the logos, which is the word, which is in the written word that we read in the Word of God, but by his spirit, something happens on the inside of us and we say, I, I get it. I understand it. And, uh, and in this particular instance... Um, you know, God began to speak to me, and it was, um, I need to be lifted up as you know me so others can receive me as you know me. Well, I thought, well, you know, I think I do that, but but the emphasis was on as you know me. And then the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart, such as I have. And that's what I shared on that night was the scripture from uh, Acts chapter 3, where Peter and John were at the temple, and, and the man looked to them for really money, but what he gave them, I mean, what they gave to him was healing and wholeness. They gave him Jesus. They gave him what Jesus had brought into the earth, which was the presence of God to bring about whatever is necessary in your life that you have need of. And so the Lord went on and said, is, such as I have is what Peter gave to that man. He, as he knew me, he gave. And, and I was thinking about Peter's life. Peter knew the forgiveness of God. Peter knew what it was like to deny Christ. Peter knew what it was like for God to forgive him and to restore him and, and heal him. And so that's what he gave to that man. He gave that man what he had, which was Jesus. And as I was thinking of that, the Lord said to me, that's all anyone can give, is they give as they know me. And so when Pastor John on Sunday was preaching, um, he entitled his message, Give Them Jesus. But he was talking about what the Lord had told him, and that was do with what you have. Do what you can with what you have. And, and, and so I believe that's the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is not confused. And when the Holy Spirit starts speaking, he speaks the same thing to all, all the people that he's speaking to. It just, in their life, translates how they hear it. But it's the very same message. We are at a time in the earth where God wants us to give what we have been given. And if you look in Matthew 10, you see where Jesus with his disciples said, freely you have received, freely give. And so when you receive something, how many of you know when you receive something, there isn't anybody who can tell you you didn't get it? I mean, you think back to the, the last thing that, you know, God did in your life, and then somebody says, oh, I don't believe God would really do that. Well, they could not believe it all day long. Amen? But it doesn't change the fact that you believe it because it happened to you. Now, I begin to ask God, well, what is that? And I, and I want to share a little bit of that with you tonight. I want you to, to turn to Deuteronomy 16.4. Um, last year, and, and I'm just going to share a little bit of how God has um, spoken to me. Not Deuteronomy. I'm sorry. That's Exodus. It's 16.4. Exodus 16.4. The children of Israel have come out of bondage, they've come out of Egypt, and, and they're beginning their journey. And the Lord says he's going to provide food for them. 
uh, it says in four, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Last year in December, right before I went to our staff dinner, I stopped at Munger Park and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to share tonight? What do you want me to say to the leadership of this church about what we're doing in this next year? Do you know God wants us to know what he's doing? He he doesn't want us to be ignorant of what he's doing, and he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. We live in this earth, but we're not of it. And just like uh, Pastor Corey said, our roots are in heaven. So all the fruit that is on our tree comes as a result of us being connected to the Most High God. You know, when we sing Father tonight, we are serious. This It is Father. He is our Father. We lift up our hands. We honor him as the source of our life. And so when we're getting information and we get it from the Father, we know that he is faithful to do whatever he says he's going to do. And so when he gave me this word to share with our staff that this year was going to be a year where we would have to count on the Lord on a daily basis. And in that, you know, in that walking on a daily basis, this is what I heard for, for the whole church. It will be a test. It will be a test. Now, when God puts us in a position to test us, it's because he wants to release something. And so he has to see if we're going to be able in that place that he's going to put us to flourish. And it isn't like, oh, you failed. You're such a bad person. It's not about failing and not being a person of faith. It's not about failing and not being good enough. It's about when you get there, there is going to be an intensity at that level that you have not lived before. And so it's a protection. Everybody say protection. Testing is always God's way of you knowing and him knowing that you're ready to do what he's about to have you do. And so there's this test. And so more than just having provision every day for the church, when I heard that word, tests stood out to me. So I wasn't as excited as I've been over other messages for the year because testing always means there's a test. That's what it means. There's, there's going to be opportunities to overcome. There's going to be opportunities to believe God when you can't see what God's doing. And, uh, and so as I looked and then pastor John, he shared on Sunday, he called me when we were in Florida said, is it all right if I share that word? Because I believe it is the word for the church. And I said, sure, you know, go ahead and share it. And then, of course, he was installed as pastor. And now he's had to carry that word through this year. (laughs) So I'm sure he's experienced tests. I've experienced tests. How many of you have experienced some tests this year that, you know, you, you probably would rather not have done it. However, there's a purpose in that test. And the purpose is that God is about to pour out on the earth a power like we have never experienced before. And with this power comes some instruction. Now, I believe that as a church, because God is now saying to us, such as I have, I give, he's now saying, do what you can with what you have. He is saying, I am going to pour through you what I have confirmed in you, what you're sure of and what I'm sure of. And that isn't to say somebody's more spiritual than another person, but you cannot give what you do not have. And the way you gain assurance for what you have is to put it to the test. And so I don't know where in your life you've been tested, but I believe we are right there 
at a doorway to an outpouring of power like we've never experienced. And it's going to happen in your life with where you are in your life. And, and the reason that it has to do with give them me, that's what he said to me, give them me as you know me is because when I give him as I know him, the anointing is attached. There's no anointing attached to me giving somebody what I heard Pastor John say on Sunday. You know why? Because I don't, I don't know him like that. Now, I want to know him, and we need to keep growing in our knowledge and our understanding of him. So it isn't, we don't, you know, we all need to come and hear the word of God. We need to read the word of God. We need to hear from the Holy Spirit. However, when we get ready to give, there is not one ounce of fear when you are giving what is what you have. There's fear when you've never been there before. And, and so when you face these things, there's, there's intimidation to even step out. But the assurance comes with the way you know him. And so it's, it's very important that we begin to live in that arena. Now, some of you may be here tonight, and you haven't known Jesus very long. And so, you know, just for you to, to say, I know Jesus, that's going to be, wow, that's going to be big. However, if you've received Christ, there's an anointing on those words because you know him. It, it will be released in your speaking. And so then people begin to be changed just like that because of the anointing, the anointing of God. And uh, as I was looking at this, God gave me Jesus as the example. If you look at Luke chapter 1 and you, you read about the account, it says Jesus was led into the spirit, I mean led into the wilderness by the spirit of God. <laughs> He was led there. Now, he wasn't led there to fail. He was led there to show that he could withstand the test mostly of somebody saying, you're really something. In the, I'm just paraphrasing. You're really something. You are really hot stuff, and you've got all this authority and dominion. And he was tested to see if he would say, yes, I am. Instead of, no, I'm not, God is. Why? Because everything that he did was from the anointing that was on him in the earth because of his father. He says, I only do what my father says. I only do what I see my father do. See, and so that, that part, he walked through that wilderness. And as he walked through that wilderness, it says uh, in chapter 4 of Luke, it says the devil said to him. Now, you know, it's... It's not fun to be talked to by the devil. How, how many of you enjoy hearing from him? He's the accuser of the brethren. He tries to tear down everything that God's told you. But in the process, you have the ability to defeat him with the word. Everybody say, with the word. And so it says, you know, he, he tried to, to tempt Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Jesus could have done that. However, Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, if you go on down, this is very interesting. The devil comes again, and, and he tempts him again. All this authority I will give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me, which it was by Adam and Eve. You know that's true. The devil had authority. He had dominion. He said, I'll give it to you if, if, and, and, and deliver me. I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me. All will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Everybody say it's written. 
you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, now listen, this is where it changes. He says, the devil says, if you are the son of God, you know, if is, is never a good thing. <laughs> if, if you hear if, you know, you might want to check out who you're talking to. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And guess who says, for it is written. Guess who says it? Oh, okay, we'll use the word then. I'm telling you, there can be tests where the enemy will use the word to try to pull you into the wrong. And it was the third test. It was like, okay, okay, so let's see what he does if I give him the word. And Jesus, he, he quoted scripture, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Did he give him the word? But Jesus said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What was he saying? It, I don't decide the word that, that is in my life that is applicable. He does. Now, what does that mean? It means that at all times, at all times, Jesus considered the Father. He always considered the Father. He did not consider himself. And, and so in this move that, that is coming, God began to speak to me that this move of God requires a maturity level in a believer that like none other that we've ever walked in. Because, you know, how many of you know with your own children, you know, there's a maturity level that comes that you continue to increase the things that they have the ability to do that you entrust to them what, what they're going to do. And so in the kingdom of God, it's that way too. That's why it's critical for every believer to know the word of God. It's critical for every believer to know the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's critical that we, un we know him. That we know him because to the degree we know him, that's the degree that he will flow through us. And, and so when we're in a position where we consider self, everybody say consider self. And, and I, you know, I'm just going to share with you, you know, from what I learned in this last year, God began to speak to me. The results of passing the test, when Jesus said that final word, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He, he went on, it says, then the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until a more opportune time until he could find another way to come against him and so you know we're never going to be in a position if jesus wasn't we're not going to be where we're not going to be having an opportunity where we have to defeat the enemy with the truth of the word of god but the way he defeated him was when he took no thought for his own life can you hear me no thought for his own life, and he considered the father in, in totally in that situation. Then it says, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding regions, and he taught in their synagogues, synagogues being glorified by all. And he began his ministry after he came out of that wilderness experience. Now, I believe, you know, we go through different wilderness experiences. At least I've been at this a long time, 30-some years, some people a lot longer than me. But I'm telling you, there are wilderness experiences. But when you come out of those places, you come out more 
confident in who he is and not who we are, but confident that because of who he is, we are who we are. Does that make sense? And so it gives us authority and dominion at a level that we've not been at before. And so um, I, I had spoken to the Lord because sometimes over this year, um, I, I felt like I maybe had gotten distracted. Have any of you ever gotten distracted? And, you know, when you get distracted, you lose sight of the big picture. How many of you know that? that and that's really the goal of the enemy. And um, God has a way of just speaking to us and bringing us back to where we need to be. But uh, I read this faith to faith all the, all the time, and, and I'm probably going to read it again this year because it just encourages me. I read it till God says you don't have to read that anymore, so I'm probably going to be reading it for a long time. But, um, you know, this is Brother Copeland. He said, I used to wonder why believers didn't see more power of God operating among us than we do. With what we know about faith and the word, it seemed to me signs and wonders and miracles should be happening all the time. How many of you have ever thought that? And, uh, and so one day I asked the Lord, why isn't the power of God turned up to a higher volume in the church? Do, we, do you know what he said? He told me we weren't walking in enough love yet. Now, walking in love simply means you don't think about yourself. You want the short definition. <laughs> walking in love means you just prefer other people all the time. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I do that, but then I have my days. How many of you? <laughs> you know, I, I'm human, just like you. And uh, we're pastors, but that doesn't mean that, that we don't have the same issues to fight. And, and so this is what it says. He said, God wants us to have power, but first he has to be sure we'll use that power in love. He wants us to know that we won't take it and mix it with judgment and criticism and blast people out of the water. Kenneth, he said, I can't afford, this is so good, listen to this, I can't afford to back your words with supernatural power in a church service on Sunday morning and then have you get on the freeway that night, lash out at someone because he pulled over into your lane, you'd blow him right off the highway. Power's power. I can't leave the power of Almighty God at a high volume in the mouth of an unmerciful fool. Pretty pretty plain. I think he speaks to Kenneth pretty plain. I was listening to him this morning. He's still speaking that way to him. He reminded me of a time I took my son John hunting. He was just a little guy at the time, barely big enough to keep his gun from knocking him back, knocking him on his back every time he pulled the trigger. And I was teaching him how to shoot and he was coming along pretty well. That day we were walking along out at Glory's grandparents farm and John spotted one of the biggest tarantula spiders I'd ever seen. I was, it was clinging to the wall of the barn. When John saw the spider, he took aim. He was going to blow that bug away. If I hadn't stopped him, he would have to. And it wouldn't have dawned on him until it was all over that he was going to blow a hole in the barn at the same time. From my grown-up perspective, everybody say grown-up perspective. I knew, I knew that, see, I could see his foolishness. He couldn't. He was looking through the eyes of a child. Do you want God to put a shotgun of spiritual power in your hand so you can blow the works of the devil to kingdom come? Then focus on love. Pursue it, practice it, study it, grow up in it. Then you'll see the power of God operating through you. What God said to me, remember, um, who was it? She was just on television. Amy Grant. My grown-up Christmas list. Not about presents. Not about bows but that all people would know the love of God, basically, is what the song was about, and, and know what the kingdom of God. See, there's a grown-up position, 
And it, isn't to, it doesn't have to do with age. You know, you can be grown up in an area of your life, and maybe you're not grown up in some other area. But where you're grown up, you are lethal to the enemy. You are trouble to the enemy. Now, in these other areas, you may not, <laughs> but God won't put you there. See, until he's tested you. But he will call on you in the area that you are lethal to the enemy. Okay? The, the power of God is lethal in the hand of a fool. And so God will not release the power necessary to do some things that have to be done in someone who's not able to do it at that time. Why? Because it says, just like he said, you'd blow the person off the highway. You know, God works on us. You know, he told Kenneth, uh, I remember this story. He said, you know, you've got to stop being mad at the cafeteria people when they get mashed potatoes on or get gravy on your off your mashed potatoes onto something else. You've got to stop doing that. Well, you think, well, what is the big deal? Forget. I mean, I'm upset. My there's gravy in my vegetables. He said, you have got to stop doing that. Why? Because I can't release the power necessary to do what you want to do if you're going to get upset about that all the time. Everybody say maturity, a a grown-up perspective, a grown-up attitude. And so God began to speak to me, and um, he did did help me because he said, it's okay, you have passed the test. (laughs) You didn't always pass all of them the first time, but you have passed. And, And so I don't know what's next for me. I don't know what's next for you, but I'm always glad to hear I passed because that means it's over. Hallelujah. Jesus, it's over. And so, you know, I've, I've made it there. But, but what he began to say to me was, you have got to focus on the barn and don't look at the spiders, no matter how big they are. Do not get out your gun and shoot because you're going to blow too many holes in your barn. (laughs) And your barn will come down eventually (laughs) if you blow too many holes in it. Now, my barn is probably propped up really big time by God. But I know this, I have learned. And I have grown to a place where I am understanding. I cannot talk about wanting signs, wonders, and miracles and not do something in my life. Make those decisions in my life that I will go through whatever I have to go through to get to that place so that I can see those things. How many of you want to see those things? And see, those, the power is there. The power is in you because the Holy Spirit's in you. And there, there isn't gonna, there's no more power than you already have. But the releasing of that power comes with maturity. And so God, in his mercy, I said, Lord, what, how did I miss it? And he said, well, James 1. <laughs> Don't you love it when God talks to you about where you miss it? But there's a blessing in that because if you get it, then you you can pass the test. And he said, you become double-minded when you start looking at the spiders and you lose sight of the barn. You become double-minded. And he began to speak to me. So I went to James chapter 1. And when I went to James chapter 1, I was looking at that part of the scripture where it says about being double-minded. And then I went over to where it said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, God had given me a message last year on patience and how important patience is. It's not just a word. It, It has power attached to it. Because you inherit the promises by faith and patience. It's a power team. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Everybody say perfect. Now, that word perfect is mature. 
So again, he was saying to me, maturity is what is key in when you want to see the anointing increase. And, and I believe that testing produces a maturity in us that maybe we didn't have before. It causes us to go to a level that maybe we wouldn't have gone to on our own. And so as I was looking at all of that, um, it says in Romans 8 that when we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, then we're in a, a place where we can prosper. When we set our mind on the things of the flesh, then we're going to be in a place where we fall. When we get into double-mindedness, then we are, we are vacillating between the spirit and the flesh. And we're going back and forth and bank, back and forth. And, and, and so when, when we see those things that take us into the flesh, we have to immediately cause ourselves to go back to looking at the spirit. So to me, it was like God was saying, stop looking at the spiders and look at the barn. Because on the other side of this test is what I'm showing you is going to happen. I believe in this church that we're about to see the power of God. But I believe it's all over the earth. I believe the world is in such a terrible straits that God now has an opportunity through his people to reveal his glory like he never has before. But we're going to have to be walking at a level of maturity that he's able to use us in that place. And, and I heard this when I was praying, uh, and, and I just want to read it to you. It says, this move will take maturity or will turn to the flesh. See, when the power of God moves, there's a point where it can go from, from God to the flesh. And, and when God increases the power and the anointing, there's a place where you have to be able to handle that anointing. You, you know, it's not you. It's the power of God flowing through you. And, and you have to learn how to handle that anointing so that you don't go through the anointing right into the flesh. And there have been many moves of God that have gone from being what God intended to being just flesh. I remember when there was just a move of dancing in the spirit when we lived in Tulsa. And then it went to disco dive, you know. <laughs> that move got way, way too moving. And uh, Brother, Brother Hagen, how many of you know who that was? He, he spoke up and he said, you know, there's dancing in the spirit and then there's dancing in the flesh. And, you know, you've got to know how to handle that kind of an anointing when it begins to come. Everybody say maturity. And so the desire to grow in the word of God and understand the Holy Spirit is, is motivated because we want to see God do what we know he's going to do. I mean, we want to lay hands on the sick and we want to cast out devils and we want to see people delivered. But to do that, we have to put ourselves in this position where we're ruled by the spirit and not by the flesh. Because it says in Romans that when we get in the flesh, then we get in a position where there's there's trouble for us and for the people that we're involved with. It says those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Then it goes on down in verse 11 said, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Everybody say that's a lot of power. A lot of power. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You know, those three words that we had at Christmas, uh, you know, they were light and life, uh, love, light, and life. That life that God is talking about us living. I mean, if you go back and look at all the messages, God is bringing this church right through this place of the wilderness to this place where his power 
will come. Because after Jesus went through that wilderness, the next thing was he stood up and he said he was the Messiah. He basically said in Luke, once he was through that place, he stood up and he opened the word of God. See, it was not no flesh in this. It was it was the spirit of God. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I believe that is what the world is going to see like it has never seen before. They won't understand you, but they will know you have something that they need. They will know that there's something different about you because you will not be handling yourself like the world handles themselves. And it's going to be in the most desperate of situations, the light really will begin to shine. And it has to do with us making that decision. Now, the other day, Pastor John was preaching, and I heard Jeremiah 33.3. In Tulsa, they used to call it God's phone number. (laughs) They called it that because it says, call upon me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty, mighty things, which you do not know. See, I believe that's what's about to happen. The church is going to know great and mighty things that nobody else knows. Now, when I looked up that definition in my Bible, it said things that are inaccessible. Everybody say inaccessible. See, the world cannot know them. You can only know them by the spirit. You can only know God by the spirit because God is spirit. And so these inaccessible things, I had never looked up the word mighty before, but in my Bible, I saw it there. And I want to read it to you because this is what it says. Divine revelation and spiritual warfare. Everybody say spiritual warfare. See, we're going to run into things that we have to be aware of and be able to fight. It says, God promised Jeremiah that he would call to him. Not only would he answer him, but he would reveal to him great and mighty things that could not otherwise be known. The word mighty is better rendered isolated or inaccessible. The suggestion is that God would give Jeremiah revelational insight, revealing things that otherwise would be inaccessible or isolated. Such revelational insight always has been essential for clear understanding of victorious spiritual warfare. We are in it. We are in it in the earth. This is a spiritual battle we are facing. I I was speaking to my husband, uh, you know, the the caucus in Iowa yesterday and the things that are happening in our nation. Listen, we are going to have to know what the Spirit of God is saying like we have never known it before. Pastor Bill felt like the Lord said to him, we have to know what God says absolutely in every decision that we make. And see, when we get in that position, it's not our flesh that rules. It's what God says. That's maturity. That is where what it says in Ephesians 3, 4, that the, the fivefold ministry is to train up the church and bring them to a place of unity to be a perfect man. What that means, a mature person, a person who can rightly divide the word of God, a person who can hear from God and know what to do. And it's not always the same thing. And, and I believe that in this church, we are about to experience that. Now, when I say we, that means all of you. You know, like when we used to say, mother used to say, we're going to clean the house. And that meant Chris and I. How many of you been there? You know, we is you guys. So in this church, we have trained up the saints to do the work of the ministry. What is that? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, to speak with new tongues, to be to this world what it needs to be the rescuer 
that God is to people who do not know where they're going. And the world is in perfect position for this. And so as I looked at this, he said to me, first John, this is first John two twenty seven. Everybody say, I have an anointing. I have an anointing. This is what it says. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Now, this is what Brother Copeland was asking God about. See, he was saying, where is the power that's going to bring about these miracles that we have believed to say to see? And he said, this, uh, this anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you, concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's what Jesus did when he was in the earth. He did abide in the Father. He said, the same works I do, you will do. Why could he say that? Because he was going to raise us up in him to be mature in the ability to handle the anointing that he was leaving with us by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Now, how many of you have some situations where you'd like to see that anointing begin to work in that situation? The, the way you grow in the ability to handle the anointing is by using it, is by doing the thing that God called you to do. It can start in your home. It can start with your children. It can start in, in believing God for the things that you have need of in your home. You will, be, you will be tested as you do those things, so that means you may not see it immediately. How many of you know that there are not always things that you see immediately? The testing is not to defeat you. It is to increase you. And, and I saw in my own life where even though there had been battles and where I had missed some things, that I have been increased. I have been increased in where I stand. You have been increased in where you stand. And God has something for you to do in that place. He has something for you to accomplish in that, faith, in that place. His, his word to me, this is the last word I'm going to share with you, but it says, keep your focus on the barn. See, keep your focus on what God has said he's going to do in the earth. Not, not what your life is doing. What God, the barn is the big vision. See, Jesus went to the cross because he saw the big vision. He, he endured the cross, it says, because of the joy that was set before him. What was that? The big, the barn. He saw, he saw the purpose and the destiny of what he was doing. So he was able to keep going no matter what kind of spiders you see or what kind they are. Immaturity will be the enemy of what I'm about to do in the earth. And, and I believe that. Immaturity is when we, do, we, we uh, put our confidence in our flesh and not in the spirit. And, and I believe God is calling all of us in this church to begin to put our confidence in what we know God will do and take that step that God has given us to take. And it's going to be in arenas where, where we are living right now. It isn't going to happen when I get there. How many of you have ever had that idea? You know, when I, when I get there, God's going to use me. No, Pastor John said it on Sunday. Do what you can with what you have. See, such as I have, I give to you. So whatever that is in your life, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, you need to recognize that all these tests that I've been going through, how many of you have thought this year, wow, these are serious things? How many of you say that? I've I've lived there this year. Yeah. Well, just before the breakthrough comes the passing of the test. And no matter what the enemy has said, if it doesn't agree with what God said, it's a lie. 
And God began to say to me, the reason he put in Revelations 12, if you'll turn to this, Revelations 12, and I'm going to conclude with this scripture. It says in Revelations 12:10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him, that would be us, by the blood of the lamb. See, that is not because of you, that's because of him. Okay? The blood of the lamb. So we overcome, number one, by the blood of the lamb. Number two, it says, by the word of their testimony. And God said to me, your testimony has anointing already on it. Now, you know, I have lots of testimonies. I don't just have one. In the beginning, I just had one. God saved me. (laughs) But you know, that testimony got a friend of mine saved, and then another friend of mine saved, and then got one. My testimony about the Holy Spirit filling me and beginning to pray in the Holy Ghost, that got on me. And that testimony got my friend filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I did it in fear and trembling. I stood in her bathroom for a half hour and told God, I can't do it. I mean, she'll think I'm nuts if I go out there. And, and, but she had said to me, I want that. I want that tongue stuff. I thought, oh, dear God, she wants it. I have to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, which is where I always talk to God, because if you have children, the bathroom is the best place to talk to God. If, especially if you're a single mom, you just lock the door and say, I'll be out in a little bit, you know. And so I'm in there, and I'm praying. I'm talking to God, you know, and I'm thinking, this is, how am I ever going to do this? I'm alone. My friends are not with me. My, my, my cronies, or my peeps, or whatever you call them. This day, I didn't have that group, and um, I was alone. I was up in Fowler, 30 miles from anybody who could come quickly to help me. My friend's sitting out there waiting on me to do this, whatever I'm going to do. And I finally get out there, and I said, okay, this is it. I'm going to lay my hands on you. That's what the Bible says to do. And she's all for it. I said, I'm the one who's petrified. She's for it. And so her faith got it. I'm sure it was her faith. However, the anointing that was on what I knew was about to get her. See, it was about to take her. And so I'm telling her about it. Well, then she, I, I prayed and prayed. I thought she never, she, she, she wasn't getting filled with the Holy Ghost. She wasn't praying in tongues. And God said to me, it's because she has some areas where she's, um, where she's made mistakes and it's sin and she has to repent. I thought, why don't you send somebody else to tell her that? (laughs) Let's just get her filled with the Holy Ghost, somebody else. And he said, you need to pray for her, and you need to have her walk through, you know, some things and pray with her and lead her, you know. And so, you know, I shut my eyes and took her through all this stuff God told me to. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of all that, she started praying in the Holy Ghost. I thought, well, praise Jesus. It worked. (laughs) I mean, I was new. I didn't know. But I'm telling you, that couple today is in ministry. They have five churches. Their son's in ministry. Their children. He was ready to leave her for another woman. I had to tell him. I had to work for him. I had to go in his office and say, you better stop doing what you're doing. That's not easy to do. But the anointing that was on my life wasn't me. When that anointing hit him, ooh, he stopped and took notice. And he got saved. And he got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the whole family got healed. And I didn't do anything except give them what I had already gotten. I even said to the Lord, do you realize what a mess I am? I mean, why are you having me do this? 
I mean, there's surely got to be somebody more spiritual than me you could call up here to do this stuff. I was in the middle of a, of a horrible situation in my life. And, and God was using me to fix them, but in the fixing of them, he fixed me even more. Are you getting this? See, what, what God is about to do, it's not maturity like I'm just so spiritual. Maturity is the level at which you trust God to do what he's telling you to do. That's maturity. But if you're thinking of you, you are not going to go there. See, I mean, I stood in the bathroom a long time thinking about me. So God finally threw me out in the kitchen and told me to talk. And when I did, he showed up in the midst of that situation. And that couple today is, has done my, who knows how many people have been saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. They've been, they've been over in other countries. I mean, do you see how, you know, God wants to bring this kind of liberty into the earth. And I believe what's about to happen, we are going to be the answer. Not we as people, but what we carry, the anointing we carry, truly, Jesus is the answer for the world. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever he is to you, whatever he is to you, when you give it, I promise you, he will show up right in the middle of that. He will do what he says he's going to do. You know, when I, when I first began doing things that God would ask me to do and and went out and began to minister, he, he gave me the scripture, the same scripture, uh, really, that is this scripture, and it was in, it was in Matthew chapter 6. And it said, take no thought for your life. Well, I thought about my life all the time. How, how many of you thought about your life? I mean, I was thinking about my, I didn't call it myself. I was thinking about how I was going to take care of my kids, and, but it was really thinking about myself. Selfishness is at the highest point I think it's ever been in our nation. I mean, truly, that's, that's why we don't know who to vote for. We can't figure out, I don't mean we here, but the people of the world cannot figure out who's going to give them the best deal. That's, that's all they're basing it on. Who, who's going to give me the best deal for what I want to have for me? And that's why nobody knows who to vote for because they can't figure out who's going to give the best deal because none of them can give the best deal. Jesus gives the best deal. But see, they've, they've already decided not to let him in on any of it. So there's all this confusion and all this dissension. I don't know how God's going to do it. But somehow in the midst of this, because we take no thought for our life. Do you know I hear people always give Revelations 12, 11 as, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And God always says to me, and don't forget, not loving your life even unto death. Because that's the real key. The other two are anointed. The last one is a choice. Jesus said, I lay down my life, that your life, we have to lay down our life, that his life would be manifested. And so it's very important not to leave that out of what we say. Because that's how it says we overcome the enemy. Loving not our own life, even unto death. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.